Well, last Sunday we talked about unjust gain and what that was. And uh, I always, when people mention that, they always think of gambling, buying lottery tickets, and they talk about what a sin it is, and I always ask them, well, is it a sin if you don't win? There's no gain, so is it a sin then? I always like to ask that question. But anyway, so we studied about that last week, unjust gain. There's not any gain or glory that we are deserving of. All the gain and glory belongs to our Lord. So we looked about that. Israel was not allowed to uh, have gain over their, their brethren. They, if they borrowed 10 bushels of wheat, then they paid back 10 bushels, not 15. They couldn't put them under bondage and everything. So that would have been unjust gain. We talked about that last week. And some of them, uh, the soothsayers, said that they, which is prophets, but the false prophets and soothsayers said they made great gain for their masters and certainly bringing honor and glory to man and their masters. So we're thinking about that. So we're looking this evening in Luke chapter 16 at the opposite of that. So here's one that we see, and we talked about this morning. I'll review briefly, and then we'll try to move on. But in our lesson this morning and, and this evening, one done the opposite of that. Instead of bringing his master's gain, he wasted his master's goods. And uh, it, it's very interesting. And I think I'll read the first few verses, and then we'll go back, and we'll try to touch briefly on a few verses, and then we'll take up our lesson this evening on verse 11. Uh, we left off on verse 10, I believe. So let me read this in Luke chapter 16. And, well, let me first give you the, the a parable represents uh, a symbolic re representation of things. And there's a lot of representation going on here. So as we read this, here's some things that you will look for. There is the rich man. There's the unjust steward. There's the rich man's goods or the things that he had. Uh, there are the debtors. And there, the Lord is using here, but it's used twice. Well, it's, actually, I think it's three times. But it's, it's a different Lord. It's not the same Lord. There's a Lord as his master or the rich man. And then there's the Lord as our Lord. So we need to understand the difference between that. And then it talks about sons of this world. Uh, so anyway, these are some things to keep your eyes uh, or your ears looking for as we read through this. And we'll try to to see what, how this goes together and how it's not contradicting itself. Verse 1 of Luke 16. And he said also to the disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. See, this is just the opposite of, of what we talked about, the unjust gain. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I'm ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors and said unto him, and, and, said, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. 
Then said he to the, uh, another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the sons of this age or, uh, or world are their, their generation wiser than the sons of light. And I say, and I say unto you, make yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when it fails, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. And he that is faithful in a few things, or he that is faithful in that which is least, let me try that again. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful unto the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to, ye, to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful unto that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, Ye are they who justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth to it. So, it, it seems to be a lot of contradictions here. You've got a man wasting goods, and, uh, but then you said the Lord commended him, so it uh, uh, seems to be not the way the world would look at it, I guess. So let's just briefly touch on a few of these, and we'll catch up with our lesson uh, that we did this morning, or, or where we left off this morning. But said, and he said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man. And the rich man, many times in scriptures, is the Lord. But we went to several scriptures this morning to prove this rich man is not the Lord. It says not representing the Lord. Other places, you know, we may look at it as he is. But here, this is not representing the Lord. And we saw that it was actually rich in their own conceits. It was in Proverbs, I believe, uh, says that uh, a ransom of a man's life is his riches. So this man was rich, but what was he rich in? Again, Proverbs says the ransom of a man's life are his riches. And we brought a few silly props here this morning to try to get our mind off of strictly money or something. Uh, got some off flea and tick spray and everything. If this was the ransom of our life, we would put great value on it. And, and then consider this our riches because this is the ransom of our life. And baking soda, if, if baking soda was a ransom of your life, you would put a great value on this. And if you had a lot, then you'd consider this your riches. And we talked about hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, if that was a ransom of your life, then that is what you would be rich in. And then we just threw this in for jokes. This is hand sanitizer during the, the start of the COVID when you couldn't get hand sanitizer. It was considered pretty valuable back then, actually, I guess, but... So, what is the ransom of your life? 
And, of course, we read scriptures that uh, tells us that Jesus Christ is a ransom for your life. That's where our riches would be, but not this one. This man was rich in his own conceits. The ransom of his life wasn't the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not what he trusted in. So he was rich in something else. So then it says he had a steward. And the same was accused to him that he had wasted his goods. So this steward was wasting his master's goods. Uh, so he called, and we'll be able to cover it thoroughly. And he called unto him and said unto him, How is it that I have heard this of thee? Give account of thy stewardship, for thou must no longer be steward. So he, he catches it and he says, Okay, give account of what's going on here. You're wasting goods. And again, this is the opposite of what we studied last week, where the one was making great gains to their master. This one is doing just the opposite. And of course, that was unjust gain last week as we studied that. So what about this? He's doing the opposite. So he calls him up and he says, uh, okay, give account. What's going on here? So then in verse 3, it says, Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. Now he's talking about his Lord, the rich man, his master, his employer, we may say. For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I'm ashamed. What he was really saying here was, I can't make it on my own. And I hope that we've all come to that place to realize we can't make it on our own. And he was just coming to this knowledge. And by the way, what this whole parable is talking about is showing is the conversion of this steward. That's what it's really showing. He was serving the rich man. And, and actually, I left this off, but the Pharisees also, as we read in verse 14 and 15, I should go ahead and read that. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, Ye are they who justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination sight of God. So they, the Pharisees were the one that justified herself before men. Now, that's not the steward. That's the rich man. So the steward says, I, I don't know what to do. He was in a stage of confusion or in state of doubt, I guess, maybe would probably be the, the better way to state it. He said, I don't know what to do. I can't pay my own way. And I think most of us will remember at a point in time will realize we can't make it on our way. Uh, a gentleman used to work for him many years ago, very nice, conservative young man. He says, I know I'm going to hell whenever I die. Why did he say that? Because he listened to all the religion of the religious world. He said, I can't do what they say. But what he didn't know, they can't either. So he was at a place, I can't make it on my own, but that's where we need to be brought. We can't make it on our own, so then we lean on the, our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, verse 4, I'm resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So, so what did he do? He's brought to a place, and his boss says, hey, give account. You're wasting my good. Give account of what's going on here. 
So one would think that then he would try to do things to keep this position. But what did he do? He went out and wasted more goods. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors to him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. So here he went out. Instead of trying to keep his job, he went out and wasted more of these goods of this rich man that was rich in his self-righteousness. And, well, I brought this out. May as well use it. They're rich in their self-righteousness. Isaiah said, we're all an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. But this is what he was rich in, the rich man. His own self-righteousness. And that's what he was rich in. Really thought he was something, didn't he? <laughs> but that's what he was rich in. And this is what, so really there was no value of that. It was filthy rags. And this is what the steward was wasting. He wasn't wasting uh, the, the Lord's truth. He was wasting this. And that's not bad, is it? So after, after he was wasting this, now the rich man was rich in his self-righteousness. This was very valuable to him. And, okay, this is my opinion. I feel that this steward before, before this was bringing great gain to his master, which would have been unjust gain. But now he's brought to the point he's no longer bringing him this gain. He's wasting the goods of this rich man that was rich in his self-righteousness. He's wasting that. So if we look on earthly terms, and I know the world wants to look at this earthly. I've never heard anybody actually teach on this. I'm sure somebody has somewhere. But they, they, they would point out, well, oh, this is a bad thing that he did. I uh, met last week with some uh, High Valley Bank, put a branch in out here in Ironton. They're trying to really get established and, and uh, met with the, the uh, I'm not sure if her title was president and, and the consultant that they have. And they're really wanting to get a start in this area. And uh, she's in charge of loans, commercial loans and residential loans and everything like that. Well, if she loans somebody $100,000 and she goes out and says, well, just pay us 50000 uh, As we look at it in a natural sense, that wouldn't be a good thing. But here, it was. Well, how do you know it's a good thing? Well, look what it says in verse 8. After, and by the way, verse 7 is the end of the parable. So verse 8, after seeing that he had wasted more of the rich man's goods, verse 8 says, And the Lord, this is not the, not the same. He considered the rich man his Lord earlier. But now this is not the same Lord. And the Lord commanded the unjust steward because he had done wisely. We, I think we read this morning Proverbs. Uh, man's commended uh, according to his wisdom. So here, the Lord commended him 
because he had done wisely. This was a good thing that he did, wasting these goods of this rich man, his own self-righteousness. This was a good thing. And the Lord commended him because he had done wisely. Uh, we won't go into that. Well, I won't go into the uh, rest of that verse. Uh, and then it says in verse 9, I say unto you, the Lord, make yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when it fails, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. And we read where uh, Paul had, uh, he said, when I'm, when I'm with the weak, I become the weak. Maybe we say, okay, when you're with those that believe in free will, become as those. Does that mean you compromise? No. You understand what, what their belief is in these things. And, and you understand that. And then when it fails, it says. When it fails. And it will. Like that, I told you about the, the gentleman who used to work for me. I know I'm going to hell whenever I die. Well, what he was trusting in, or maybe a better example may be, this probably would be a better example. A lady, and I was working for, for them, building a building for them, and I'd get there early, get the tools and everything out, and uh, this lady would come out and talk, and we got talking about scriptures, and she says, used to, I never doubted my salvation, but now I do. And... What I said was, there's only one reason you doubt your salvation. Because you're trusting in you rather than trusting in the Lord. If we're trusting in the Lord, there's no reason to doubt our salvation. So, what she had been believing in, and I, she had a, when I said there's only one reason you doubt your salvation, she had a big list of many reasons she would doubt her salvation. But, it failed. She no longer, she says, I doubt my salvation now because she couldn't do all those things. So it failed. So I think we understand where they're coming from, what they're trusting in. And when it fails, then you can tell them, hey, the reason that you're doubting your salvation is because you're not trusting in the Lord, you're trusting in yourself. So that's, in a nutshell, what that uh, verse uh, is talking about. And then uh, in verse 10, just makes a uh, statement. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. We went to the parable of the, of the talents. One had been faithful to two. One had been faithful to five. He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. So faithful over a small amount, but yet faithful in much. And then it says, he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And we'd look at the one that only had the one talent. He buried it in the earth. But he was unfaithful in the least amount, but yet it was much. So now in verse 11 and 12 is where we'll start up this evening. It asks questions. Don't be too quick to put an answer in there. It asks questions, and let's look at this. If therefore you have not been faithful in that 
uh, in the unrighteous money, or mammon, who will commit unto you your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So it's asking a question. Those have been unfaithful to the unrighteous. And this certainly, this steward had. He was unfaithful to the unrighteous mammon. He was unfaithful to that rich man that was rich in his own conceit. He was unfaithful to him. So it's asking question, uh, if, uh, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? It's asking a question. It's not saying nobody will. It's asking a question. If you've been unfaithful, who will give you true riches? Well, apparently, that wasn't true riches that the rich man had, was it? If you haven't been faithful, who will give you true riches? That wasn't true riches. Rich in our own self-righteousness, and all of our righteous filthy rags, that's not true riches. So he asked a question to, to, uh, to make a point. If you've not been faithful to the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? So that wasn't true riches. So he's asking the question, if you haven't been faithful to that, who will give you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? And my earthly uh, wisdom would say, well, nobody, if you haven't been faithful to that, then nobody would give you anything ever again because you haven't been faithful to that. But that's not what it's saying. So verse 11, 12 is asking question. If you haven't been faithful to that, who will give you true riches? And our answer is in verse 8. We already read it. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. That's the answer. Do you know what the word commend means here? Not, not condemn. The Lord commended the unjust steward. And that word commended in the uh, Greek means, and this fits so well, to commit to entrust. Doesn't that fit so well? He says, if you've been unfaithful to this unrighteous, who in the world would give you the true riches? Who would trust you with true riches if you haven't been faithful to the unrighteous mammon? And the answer is the Lord. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. And that word commend means to commit to entrust. And it goes on to give in charge for care. To recommend as worthy of confidence. So it's saying, he, our Lord says here, if you have been faithful to the unrighteous money, the filthy rag, self-righteousness, who in the world will give you true riches? And the Lord will. He will commit the true riches into your entrust. So if you have been faithful to the unjust, Stuart, to those that are rich in their own conceits, 
who will trust and give you true riches. If you're faithful to it, it doesn't say that you'll get the true riches. But it says, if you're unfaithful, then who will? And again, the Lord will. He, if you, the unjust steward had been unfaithful to that riches, the Lord says uh, he commended him. And again, the, the definition of that Greek word fits so well, to commit, to entrust. When you become, well, let's go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. We'll be coming back here if you want to hold your place. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, so we're talking about who would commend the true riches. 1 Timothy 1 verse 11. uh, Inspired by the Holy Spirit through Paul. Verse 11, 1 Timothy 1. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, in that he counted me faithful to putting me into the ministry. So you see, Jesus Christ considered him faithful, and God entrusted him with this truth. Well, we can see a, a perfect picture of, of the Apostle Paul. He was serving those with self-righteous riches, wasn't he? He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. That's what they did. They lived and breathed the law, so to speak, the letter of the law. And he served that, and he, he served it so well. He was so zealous. He had people killed and put in prison and beat so he was, he was very faithful. He was a, a faithful servant, a faithful steward to the uh, unrighteous mammon. And then the Lord converted him. And then he became a, uh, and the Lord, well, as we see here, so he was, he was a uh, faithful servant to that. And then the Lord changed all that. And now all of a sudden, the Lord commended unto him the truth. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ, our Lord, who hath enabled me, and he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So now, the one who trusted in those self-righteousness, now he sets out to waste all that. And boy, does he get in trouble for that. Now they were out to kill him because he was wasting their goods then at this point in time. Uh, I was going to go, and we won't take the time, I was going to go to Acts 9 chapter, we can read the whole account where Saul of Tarsus and the Lord converted him. And I just went and opened his eyes and uh, he was baptized uh, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is in the church. Uh, his eyes were opened and says, immediately preach Christ. Which, what does that do? 
that destroys the doctrine, the riches of those that was rich in their own conceits. Certainly destroyed what the Pharisees held on to and believed. And they didn't like it. They was out to get him, out to kill him, wasn't they? So now let's go back to uh, Luke chapter 16. And uh, well, uh, so 14 and, and 15 tells us that uh, the Pharisees who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. And said unto them, Ye are they, he said, he said, our Lord said to them, Ye are they who justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. What is it that's highly esteemed among men that yet is abomination in the sight of God? It's abomination in the sight of God, but yet it's highly esteemed among men. What is it? Self-righteousness. Not trusting in the Lord. And again, we'll go back to Isaiah again. We're all an unclean thing. All of our righteousness are filthy rags. All of our righteousness are filthy rags. That's abomination inside of the Lord. But it's highly thing among men, isn't it? Our own self-righteousness. So we look at this and we look at this and uh, the servant was, a, was serving the rich man and, and his false doctrines, his self-righteousness. He was in darkness. Then his eyes were began to be opened and then he began wasting that doctrine. Just as Saul being converted to Paul wasted that doctrine then. So then he was accused, delivered up. Give account of what you're doing. He's put on the spot. And then again, I think we're seeing this a slower conversion than maybe what we did solve Tarsus. But this one here it says, give account. And he comes to the realization. I can't make it on my own. And again, I hope that we've all come to that realization. We can't make it on our own. We can't, certainly can't make it with our own self-righteousness. Then we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ when we see we can't make it on our own. Now, the Lord's in, as Buddy and I talked, the Lord's in control of all this. He's the one that calls us to see, well, wait a minute. We can't make it on our own. Like the one that used to work for me. I know I'm going to hell whenever I die. Why did he say that? He knew he couldn't do what they said he had to do. So then, uh, this one was kicked out of that position. No longer serving the rich man his goods. But then it says he did wisely. Did wisely and then began to serve the Lord. He was entrusted with True riches, then. And no, man. Let's go to, to John chapter nine. I think we may have time. It's a good bit of reading here, but I like because that's another perfect example. Again, looking example of Saul of Tarsus was a perfect example. He was searching the serving the rich man his goods. The Lord converted him, and certainly did he go about wasting the Pharisees' goods at that time and, and self righteousness and so forth. 
So the Gospel of John chapter 9, another uh, perfect example of uh, what our parable is representing. So here, and I think I'm just going to read this. It's, actually, it's kind of long, but I think it's very interesting. Let's just start in verse 1. And Jesus passed by, and he saw a man who was blind from his birth. So what we have here is there was a baby born, and it was blind. Now he's a man. Don't know how many years, but anyway, several years. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh uh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And this man was in darkness all these years, wasn't he? Also, our unjust steward was in darkness whenever he was serving the, uh, uh, the rich man and his, which was not true riches, and self-righteousness. Verse 6, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay a spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. So he had been blind, he had been in darkness. Uh, and said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent, he went away, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now he was in the light. The neighbors, therefore, and they who before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, He said, I am he. Therefore they said unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Again, our steward, he was blind, serving in darkness, serving a self-righteous rich man. But the Lord was converting him. His eyes would begin to be opened. Hey, I can't make it on my own. Verse 12, then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. Again, his eyes had just been opened, been in darkness all these years. They brought to the Pharisees him that formerly was blind. Oh, give account. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees asked him, how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, He keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. So now we had a, a division. Uh, and certainly the Pharisees were not happy with what this young man was, was teaching them, telling them. 17. They said to the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, since he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He said, He is a prophet. 
But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they, call, uh, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. So again, he's really called, uh, give account here. He had been a fine little uh, uh, Israelite serving in the Jewish synagogues, trusting in their own self-righteousness and the law of Moses. But now this Jesus came along and opened his eyes. And they asked him, 19, they asked him saying, is this your son? Uh, this is the parents, of course. Uh, and, and they asked him saying, is this your son who they say was born blind? How then did he now see? His parents asked them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or hath op uh, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. Why did they say that? Well, look at the next verse. These words spoke his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did uh, confess that he was the Christ, that he should be put out of the synagogues. So our steward, as he began wasting the, the uh, goods, the self-righteousness of his master, Going to put him out, wasn't they? Put him out of that stewardship. Same thing here. He uh, was no longer looking at their righteousness in the law, was looking at Jesus Christ. And their, his parents were, uh, was afraid, so they said, because they're afraid to be put out of the synagogue. Now verse 23. Uh, Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again... Called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. We know it's Jesus Christ. You and Jesus Christ is a sinner. And they was kind of using subtlety here, which we'll talk about next week as we talk about how the devil used subtlety. Uh, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. So you see, they were saying that Jesus is a sinner. He said, all I know is I was blind and now I see. And that steward, he was blind, serving the rich man. Now all of a sudden he sees it. Hey, I can't make it on my own. I can't make it this way. So we see the same thing happening here. Uh, verse 26 then said they uh, to him again, What did he do to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not hear. Why would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Serving the letter of the law of Moses. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what the Jewish synagogues all trusted and believed in. They didn't understand. That's why there was, when they said the Lord did this on the Sabbath day. Oh, you can't do this on the Sabbath day. They didn't realize the Lord was the Sabbath. He is our rest. They didn't see that. 29. We know that God spoke unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from where he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, here is a marvelous thing. 
that you know not from where it come or from where he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. So here's a marvelous thing. But they didn't like it. They didn't like his marvelous thing. And Chuck, when you go talking to people that are serving the letter of the law, and you tell them about grace, and you tell them about mercy, they don't like it. You tell them about grace and mercy, and they don't like it. What, what do they like? Their own self-righteousness and the law. Uh, and in verse 31, they answer him, Well, we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, he doeth uh, his will, him he heareth. Since the age began, was it not heard? Well, no, this is what he said. I'm sorry. Let me read 31 again. Now, we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So he said, Jesus is not a sinner. God wouldn't be answering this. Since the age began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? See, now he's preaching to them. Still in his preaching is what? Wasting their goods. Was it wise? Yeah, it certainly was wise. Uh, 33, if this man were not of God, he could not do uh, anything. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Cast him out of the synagogue. Just like the rich man was casting the steward out from his stewardship. And this was a good thing. So the Lord uh, opened his eyes. He's no longer serving in darkness. Now he's saying Jesus was from God and making waste of, their, of the Pharisees' goods here. And they delivered him up. Give account. He could deny that Jesus was from God and kept his place in the synagogue. Well, actually, he couldn't. This was the Lord's plan. But humanly speaking, he could have denied that Jesus did this, and he could have kept his place in the synagogue. The unjust steward could have quit wasting those goods and kept his place as a steward. But he didn't. By the grace of God, neither one of them tried to save their place where they were. He professed, this, the, the man of blind, he professed that Jesus was of God and continued making waste of the Pharisees' doctrines. And then in verse 35, well, I guess we'll ask a question. Well, then, if he's unfaithful now to the, to the Pharisees and the steward was unfaithful to his, then who's going to give him true riches? Verse 35 and Jesus heard that they had cast them out. When he had, and when he found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. The Lord is giving him the truth here. The unjust steward, the Lord is entrusting him the truth. says, well, if you've been unfaithful to that, who's going to entrust you the true riches? The Lord. That's the answer. And we see that here. He is beginning to be unfaithful to the Pharisees and their religion. Well, who's going to give him the truth? The Lord. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe... And he worshipped him. 
So this is a perfect picture of what the parable was teaching. Parable of the unjust steward. Been unfaithful to that. And the, and the same thing of the Apostle Paul. Same, same there. He was Saul of Tarsus. And, uh, and the Lord converted him. So our text in Luke, we're seeing the conversion of one of the Lord's servants. The rich man was the villain. <clears throat> and uh, his goods was evil. And the steward was now serving another. He was serving the rich man, <clears throat> and then he began wasting the rich man's goods. He was serving the Lord then. The Lord had entreated him the, the true riches. So it's no difference with, with uh, Saul of Tarshish being the Apostle Paul, the unjust steward being given true riches, or the man that was serving in darkness, and he was blind, the Lord opened his eyes, giving him true riches. They're all, they're all the same. Uh, and again, uh, the Pharisees uh, wanted to kill him because they wasted his goods as far as Paul. They, they wanted to kill him because he wasted their goods. And boy, did he waste their goods. You know what he said about their goods? It's all done. It's all manure. That's what he said about their goods in Philippians, the third chapter. So we were, we were all unjust stewards in that, in, in that we were... To whatever degree, to whatever time, we all trusted in something. And the Lord began to open our eyes, brought out of darkness, brings it into his, one of his true churches, and then he trusts us with true riches. And our true riches, it tears down. It wastes the doctrines and riches of the world. And, well... We're out of time, but one more thing uh, that I didn't uh, bring out yet. There's another character in this parable <clears throat> of the unjust steward, the debtors. This, this one who, who was, I believe, his just steward at one time. And then, <clears throat> now, the Lord began to open his eyes. He began wasting the goods. And he told the debtors, you don't know this. So... I was a debtor. I thought I owed all this. Thought somehow had to pay all this. And Brother Olson and Brother Don were <clears throat> stewards. And they told me, you don't owe this. You can't pay this. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.